0: Thank you for listening to the Fort Stewart Chapel Next podcast. You can find out more about us by searching Fort Stewart Chapel Next on Facebook. Good morning. Well, today I, I have the distinct privilege to uh, continue our Advent series. So uh, the Advent series is Promise Fulfilled. Last week we got to listen as Chaplain Oliver spoke from Matthew 24 on the promise of Jesus coming back. And today, my hope is that we, as we examine how since the fall of mankind, things have been pointed towards the message that Jesus would bring to reconcile us to himself, and particularly how that message has been exactly the same uh, from the beginning. So let's pray, and, and then we'll jump in. Father, as uh, we sit here before you guys, we sit in your presence. I pray that, that your spirit would be among us and in us. God, that, that you would be honored and glorified uh, through, through your word. God, uh, I pray that, that you bless uh, my words, God. Let, let them be yours. Let me stand aside and, and point towards you uh, as we all prepare uh, and celebrate uh, the first coming of Christ. And it's in Jesus' name. Amen. So my wife's family loves Jeopardy. Right? They, they all, they enjoy watching it, they have contests of who, who can get the most points. Um, so we're going to start with a little jeopardy, right? So January 23rd, 1983, this, this line was aired on television for the first time. Uh, and it's still recognizable to this day. It's said by Colonel John Hannibal Smith. Did I just give it away? Answer. Daily Double. I love it when a plan comes together. The A Team was a great show uh, made into a mediocre movie in 2010. Um, <laughs> you know, but as I've thought and, and you know looked at Advent, um, the Advent season, I think that line sums up Advent perfectly. Uh, this idea of, of Advent and celebrating the coming of Christ. That's the plan of God coming together. Uh, For a few thousand years, people watched and they waited, uh, eagerly anticipating that someone, that a Messiah would come and restore the earth from the curse that has separated us from God uh, since Adam and Eve were were in the garden. Since that time, uh, humanity has been looking forward. Uh, You know, since, since the fall of mankind in the Garden of Eden, the world waited with bated breath for a Savior to come. We can see in Genesis chapter 3 that that as God is pronouncing His, his curse on the serpent, actually, uh, as a result of, of the serpent leading Adam and Eve to sin, um, He gives us this nugget, just this little this little glimmer of, of hope and truth. It's this glimmer of what the gospel is. In Genesis 3:15, he says, speaking to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. So, this is seen as the first messianic prophecy in the Bible, the first time that, that Christ is pointed towards as a Savior. And there's a 15 letter word that I learned in seminary that describes what this is. I'm not even going to say it right now, but if you want to know, I, I know it, so come ask me later. Um, the word isn't important. Uh, what, what is important, what I want you to see, is that since the time in the garden, uh, all throughout the Old Testament, the world has waited for Christ, it has groaned grown under this curse, um, and over and over, God allowed prophets and people to come and walk on earth uh, and point towards the Messiah that would come and rescue us. So, here, and here we are, 25,000 2,000 years uh, later uh, since the death of Christ uh, in Advent, again, waiting uh, and joining in the waiting of the rest of the earth. They waited for Christ to come the first time, and now we wait for his return. Uh, So we have all these forerunners in the Bible, all these forerunners of the gospel. I mean, Jacob, Elijah, Isaiah, Malachi, John the Baptist. Uh, As it were, the the last one is who we'll focus on today. Uh, Here's what I need you to realize about about all those who came before Jesus, uh, all of those who pointed towards him. Their message is essentially the same. Throughout history, uh, we can look and see how they've each pointed to the coming Messiah, uh, giving us the realities of what life under Jesus' rule looks like, uh, how, how the life that follows the Savior is, is one of repentance. Uh, so today we'll read about John the Baptist. So just for context purposes, who who is John the Baptist? Right, John the Baptist, he's Jesus' cousin, uh, You'll you'll find in in Luke chapter 1, he was born to Zacharias and Elizabeth. Uh, Elizabeth was the cousin of the Virgin Mary. Uh, So John, uh, Scripture teaches us, came in the same spirit and power that Elijah did. Uh, He actually, you can see in Scripture that he dressed the same as Elijah did. Uh, And we read about his ministry in Matthew chapter 3, which is where we'll be today. Uh, So if you have your Bible with you, turn to Matthew chapter 3. We'll be in verses 1 through 12. If you don't have your Bible, it'll be on the screen behind me. And and this is what it says In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah saying the voice of one crying in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord make his path straight now John himself was clothed in camel's hair and with a leather belt around his waist his food was locusts and wild honey then Jerusalem all Judea and all of the region around the Jordan went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan confessing their sins but when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. And do not think to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And even now, the axe is laid at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into fire. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. So as John the Baptist preaches to prepare the earth for Jesus' ministry, um, he preaches on repentance. And what we can see is is three realities that have echoed through history and still hold true today. So so the realities of repentance is that that the first is that Scripture calls for repentance right now. John shows up out of the wilderness uh, saying, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What does that even mean? Is he, is he talking about Jesus? Is, is, is there a specific meaning here? So, so understand that kingdom of heaven is, a, is a really a pious Jewish way of, of avoiding to say the name of God. So, so really, it's largely synonymous with the kingdom of God. So you have this prophet coming out of the wilderness with the same spirit and power of Elijah. And he's telling people, hey, it's time to get right because God's showing up. I'm, I'm sure that all of you have heard the saying, there's, there's no day like today. Well, that really can't be more true than, than right now. John, John pushes us to see that repentance is not for later. It, it's not something that waits. And John's getting people's attention. Right? I mean, they're, they're coming uh, to hear him from near and far, Jerusalem, Judea, and all the surrounding regions. And his message is, is that the opportunity, take it now. But that message isn't new, right? Again, this is the message that comes from even God in, in the Garden of Eden uh, to Adam and Eve. So in, in Genesis 3, 9, uh, if you remember, Adam and Eve had eaten the fruit and they were hiding from God. Uh, but in, in, in Genesis 3, 9, God comes and, and he calls out and, and he says to me, where are you? Which is, is fascinating to me, right? So, so did, God, did God not know where Adam was? Was 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 it hidden from him? Was he confused? Right. God knew exactly where Adam was. So why did he ask? Why would he ask where he was if he knew? This is this is the first opportunity uh, he's giving Adam the opportunity to repent, and that opportunity was right then. It, it, it wasn't for later. It, it was for that moment. That that message it, it continues through history, all through the Old Testament, and and, and that's what John is preaching as an introduction to to Christ's ministry. Now is the time for repentance. And it's the same thing that Jesus, just in a couple chapters later, will preach word for word. His, his message is exactly the same as John's. Repent, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But what does that involve, right? What's it look like? So to repent, what most simply, is, is to change one's mind. And in, in the Old Testament, um, it it carries with it this, this meaning to also change one's actions, uh, particularly in regard to righteousness. It's to turn around, to cease going the direction you're heading, and to go the opposite way. Away from evil, sin, away from unrighteousness, and towards God. So almost any road trip I take with my wife, right? at some point, it's just about, it's a guarantee, I'm going to miss an exit. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take the wrong exit or, or drive past an exit. Um, I'll end up going northbound when I should be going south. It's going to happen. And it's at that point, um, what, what follows me missing that exit is I'm going to have to listen to my wife tell me how she gave me clear instructions, how she told me exactly where the exit was, how, exactly how close it was, exactly what the number was, and, and how it's my fault that I missed it. Um, and she's right most of the time. Um, but that's that's repentance, right? Repentance is, is knowing you're going the wrong direction and uh, that you're going away from God and God's given us clear directions. Uh, and it's at that point that you loop it around. Right? You, that's when you turn. Right? So, so it would be crazy for me if if while my wife is telling me, hey, you know, I, I told you, you know, we're in the wrong spot now. If I said to her, look, chill out. At, at that point, my life is in danger. But, but if, I, if I tell her, chill out, I, I'm just going to go down a few more exits. You know, I'll just, I'll see the lay of the land there. And, and, and maybe then I'll turn around, right? No, like, I, we take the first opportunity, right? We, we want to be going towards the, our, our destination to the, in the right way. Uh, we, we don't wait for that, um, So let me urge you, right, the encouragement here I want you to see is, like, repent right now, turn now, don't wait. So understanding that reality uh, is that in Scripture uh, it's taught, repentance is taught for right now, allows us to move to the second reality, right? And that's, if if you're actually truly for real repenting, your life's going to look different. You're not going to really be repenting unless you understand who God is and why you're doing it. You have to understand that that God has offered us relationship through Christ. The only way to to walk in that relationship is to walk with Christ, and and walking with Christ involves repenting of the sin that we all commit. So This is a reality check. Um, You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. Uh, there, there There isn't a person breathing in this room that has not placed themselves by their own choice against God. By our own choices, we make God our enemy. And it's it's by God's grace, right, that that Christ has made us clean and then adopted us as sons and daughters. So if if you don't see the need for repentance, then frankly, you, you don't know God. Scripture is clear, we, we cannot hold on to our sin and walk with God. Darkness does not abide in light. A good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. God's kindness is intended to lead us to repentance. Because you can believe in God all day, right? The book of James tells us that even the demons believe and they shudder. If your life is not characterized by repentance, continually, running to God, repenting, because let's, let's face it, we, we live in a broken world. We're, we are broken people, ourselves. And we're going to get it wrong, right? I don't want you to miss the gravity of this. We're going to miss the mark. Not just once, right? Not, not just miss it sometimes. We miss it every time. We choose sin over God. And I'm, I'm trying to use strong language to emphasize that if you don't see the need of the reality that, to, that we need to repent, then, then here's my, like, I urge you, like, look at the reality of what John says to the Pharisees uh, in, in verse 12. He uses strong language as, of his own as, as they approach him. He tells Pharisees they're a brood of vipers, that, that if they don't live lives of repentance, they'll be chopped down and they'll thrown into the fire. If I were to translate this into modern-day English, I probably couldn't say it from the pulpit. He's not complimenting them. We also know that in in Matthew chapter 23, that Jesus refers to the Pharisees as whitewashed tombs. You can manage to live your life in a way that that appears holy and is anything but. What what John says here, and what Jesus says throughout his ministry, is, is that you... Brothers and sisters, people of the church, you're called to a life of repentance where you see the depth of your sin, you see the seriousness of it, and you run to God. You see, the more we acknowledge what God has saved us from, the more glorious he looks. When you realize that you've been pulled out of a fire, right, the Savior looks so much more beautiful. So we have two realities of repentance. that, that repentance is for right now, and that, that if uh, you're repenting, your life is going to look different. Now, I understand that at this juncture I probably sound like the most condemning chaplain out there, um, but hang with me because, because despite that sounding like really bad news, despite it sounding really negative, it's, it's really the best news that you could have. The fact that John tells us, and uh, in, in, this is in verse 12, um, that Jesus is going to gather his wheat into the barn— you know, we can look at Jesus' life and the great lengths of his love for us and, and that what he went through to give us the opportunity to have a relationship with him, uh, not just now, but in eternity. Uh, and that's amazing news. I know it can sound condemning, but scripture teaches us what's next. Um, that Jesus came into the world not to condemn the world, but, but that the world may be saved through him. It's in John three seventeen, And that's the third reality, that, that eternity is based off the judgment of the way to Messiah. It isn't a relative judgment. It's the same across the board. Uh, there's, there's no trick question. If you repent and believe Christ, you're his, period. End of discussion. Once Christ has laid claim to you, once you're covered by a sacrifice then then he sits at the right hand of the Father, his current position, and he intercedes for us. Hebrews 6 talks about how Jesus is is a forerunner to heaven for us. Uh, Do you see how that's good news? Because of what Christ has done for you, because of his blood and the atonement that we get from him, you get to spend eternity with God. You you cannot earn it. He gives it freely. don't, Don't get this mixed up. You don't get to go to heaven because you repent, Repentance is a key component to the Christian life, but don't think it's the ticket into heaven. The Puritan John Owen will will tell us to always be killing sin or that sin is killing us. Uh, I I don't want you to get confused because I'm saying that I think you have to repent, um, and I'm also saying that I don't believe you get into heaven because you repent at the same time. You get into heaven because of God's goodness, it, it, it's his grace and his mercy uh, that Chaplain Oliver spoke about a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it, it, we repent because of those things. It, it, it's the recognition that that his grace and mercy has been applied to us that we repent and chase him. As being aware that it's all his judgment, and this is good for us. If it was based off anything else, then we would try to earn it. Uh, we would live our lives like they do in Islam, right? Uh, trying to do good things to buy our way into heaven uh, by our good works. Our salvation is is based only in his judgment, only his goodness, not ours. You don't want repenting to get you into heaven. So as I look to wrap this up, I I want to ask each of you a question. It's probably my most favorite question to ask, uh, and I ask it every time I I get the opportunity to preach. Uh, So ask yourselves, so what? how does this change my life, right? When, when, when you're going to work on Monday, when, when you're driving to PT or, you know, when you're waking up in the middle of the night with a, with a screaming child or you're Christmas shopping, whatever it is you're doing, does, does the realities of what repentance is, does that, does that affect your life? Do you recognize that from Genesis, uh, in the Garden of Eden, God has had a plan since then? Remember that, that big word that I referred to earlier? Uh, God from the beginning knew what he was doing and he sent generations of people before us um, not only to to point and prepare the way for Christ and then a few thousand thousand years later Christ uh, who was sent and lived on earth just to make a way possible to reconcile you to God and the message this whole time has been consistent It's, it's remained consistent repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand repent now don't wait. It'll show in your life and eternity is based off the good judgment of Jesus. And, and now, right now, we celebrate uh, Advent as we wait. And it's, again, it's been a couple thousand years uh, since uh, since Christ and now we wait for his return. So, so some of you sitting here may not have any concept of, of what repentance looks like. Um, you may have never repented in your life. Um, so I want to take a moment and encourage you just just as I stressed earlier, there, there's no time like the present. If you have questions about repentance, um, I, I know that any chaplain here is is willing and anxious to have a conversation with you um, before you leave today. Uh, pull one, so pull one of us aside, ask the questions, and, and we'll just we'll walk with you th- through finding the answer. Um, you know, I, I can say with confidence that, that it's the earnest desire of each chapel next pastor uh, that our that our heart. Is that each of you will be able to look and and recognize and, and then have the ability to say along with Colonel Smith that, that you'll love it uh, when God's plan comes together. Uh, so we're going to pray, and then Chaplain Oliver is going to come and lead us through the Lord's Supper. So let's pray. God, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for the opportunity to to stand and point towards you and proclaim your word. God, I pray that that each of us, myself included, we could continually repent, continually run towards you and and what you have for us. Uh, Let us see your grace and mercy in our lives and, and, and let us point others towards that as well. That's in Christ's name I pray.